Let's do it. Alrighty, let's get into this thing. Matt Chatham, Real Thing Patriots podcast, doing this thing the morning after the game. Obviously, that's a big Sunday night football matchup. Packers, Patriots, Foxborough. Fun game. Good win by the Patriots. Survive in advance. Some good stuff in there that we'll dive into here with this thing. Now, if you sound or hear, excuse me, hear a little something weird in my voice, that's that's me sleep deprived. Late night with Nesson, getting home one thirty ish or whatever, getting up early to do some out of state radio stuff, and uh, put the pot on, diving into the game film, getting weird, and uh, right now I'm chowing on some uh, honey mustard and onion. Um, pieces with the Snyders. I love those little pretzel pieces. So we're calling that breakfast. We know it's not crazy good pot of Sumatra over here. And um, I'm about to lose my mind. But uh, this is what typically happens. <laughs> Exciting, fun game. Didn't want to sleep on it. I'm up. What the hell? Let's do the show. So I went back, watched the uh, the game quickly here, uh, churned through it, uh, threw out about four or five little clips on uh, on uh, my Twitter feed, so if you want to check back to anything I'm referring to here now, that's that's a good place to find it. They're not the quick, highly slick, <laughs> slickly edited kind of videos I do for my athletic column. More just, hey, I saw this, check it out. And you know, obviously, when you're watching this thing the next morning, you can't see coaches film until later in the week. But this is more a matter of uh, it being a priority. Let's get it out quick. Let's pop in a few things that are that are fun to see. And ultimately, it was an entertaining game. I was entertained. I'm still entertained now until I finally pass out later this afternoon. But at this point, I am ready to roll. And hopefully, you're ready to listen. Let's dive into this thing. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, this is a fun game. But it's an entertaining game. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, you know, but a lot of this clearly, you know, circumvented. Oh, that's the wrong word. It's early. Um, <laughs> a lot of this surrounded the uh, the quarterback stuff, right? And one of the things we were hammering, hammering, hammering on our, on our pregame show there with the Nesson pregame chat uh, was that this is the 13th ranked offense in the NFL, the Packers. Obviously, the quarterback's tremendous, but it's the 13th ranked. It's not the fourth. It's not the fifth. It's not even the seventh. Uh, you know, and some of those teams up there in that top ten were like Tampa and, and even uh, – a team like, uh, you know, the Indy. And I, I don't think that would have struck fear if we were talking about another game with Indy this weekend or uh, a game with the Bucks. But I don't. I think people kind of transpose all the thoughts about an offense in their opinion of the quarterback. High opinion of Rodgers, damn, they, you know, that group must, must uh, be a danger to score 30 or 40 points. Not necessarily the case. So even as a roadie, uh, these Packers had been averaging right around 22.3, 22.5, something like that, a little over 22 points. So Patriots hold them to 17. I think that's, I think that's very important. Uh, you know, they hold them below their average, and they score right at about their average offensively. And that's even with, you know, not scoring from one yard out uh, with four chances uh, and not getting those seven points uh, later in the second half. So keep them down. Uh, keep around your average. Win the turnover battle I won. Win a game. That's, that's really kind of how it goes. And I'm going to take one small tangent here before we dive into the real deep stuff here of, of the actual game sequences because I found this really interesting because of the way this thing sort of dovetails against the Rams stuff, right? We do this all off season. Uh We do, you know, we – Every offseason, there's you know obviously the free agency period, there's the draft period, there's the the consternation about what their team has hasn't done, all those kinds of things. We do it every friggin' year, and and who's the team out there? You know, that are, some of the teams, excuse me, they're high flying. The Chiefs looks great. Chiefs didn't do a lot of activity in the offseason. I mean, they went uh, you know they went and got was it Watkins? Yeah, Watkins was sort of their big signing. But by and large, it's it's Mahomes getting his chance to move forward. It's it's the back and Hunt was always there. Kelsey's still there. 
you know, they, they made some nice pieces around them. Offensive line is strong as always. Defense is by and large the same. They actually get rid of Marcus Peters, who's out in L.A., which is the team I'm, I'm sort of trying to turn this back towards. But who was the biggest, sexiest, went out and got all these people and spent all this money defensively? That was the L.A. Rams. And what have the Rams been doing? Not playing great defense, quite frankly. And and why I think that's sort of ha-ha funny is because we get so much conversation around here in this New England market about go spend money, go get this guy, go get the premier elite blah 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 dude. And you look at what L.A. did. They're paying a big gob of money. I don't want to look it up exactly right now. Actually, well, screw it. Yes, I could. So, Indomitian Sue, they give him the one-year deal, straight cap hit, 14 mil. Uh, dead cap of 14 on the year. He's dude's paying for playing one year for 14, and you know he's not he's not he's a UFA in 2019, so that may not go anywhere. Now they did make the trade for Marcus Peters, and that's actually a smart deal because it's still rookie contract, four years, nine and a half mil. So he's playing on a modest cap hit of one seven this year. That's just more of a, a sneaky smart move. But then they go get Tlaib, a little older player. Uh, Broncos are done paying him that kind of money. They get him in at around. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I do. Uh, cap hit this year is uh, 11, right? So he's rolling with an 11 cap hit now. Big number, but not the biggest. It's still a pretty sig- significant for an older corner like that. 32-year-old dude who's now injured. So, you know, it's a big hit, big swallow to take for a guy who's not on the field for you. But the, beyond just the, the big hit with Sue, they redo uh, Aaron Donald. Usually year one, I don't have. I actually didn't pull his up, or maybe I did. Maybe I do this all quick in the lifetime. Aaron Donald, this is ver, via Spotrack. Cap hit just about nine million this year, so he does the big monster deal. Six years, one thirty-five. Year one is going to be more mild. Then it jumps to freaking Mars, and it's seventeen cap hit next year. Twenty-five after that. Twenty-seven after that. There's no way he and Indomitian Sue can be on the same line together. They can't possibly be trying to do that. Uh, Brockers, Michael Brockers, another good, you know, former first round pick, uh, and I believe like 2012, somewhere in that range. But he's he's on a contract of three and thirty-three. You got an eleven million dollar cap hit this year of seven, a little more mild. But then it goes eleven, eleven the next two. It's independent of the signings, but basically the guy's average is about ten mil a year for a rusher, right? So you got one plus 10 uh, rusher, you've, uh, edge rusher. Then they go out and trade for Dante Fowler uh, just here at the, at the trade deadline. I believe he's still on his rookie contract, though. I'm, I didn't pull that one up to check. But the point is, that's a hell of a lot of money to be spending to go out and have ugh, some of the performances the Rams have had defensively. Why is that relevant? Because they were playing the Packers a week ago, so it's a nice comp. You know, they're, they're butted up against each other. Both teams have home games. The Patriots had home games against the Packers, a home game against the Packers. The Rams had a home game against the Packers. That's purportedly other than maybe, you know, New Orleans on that other side of the draw. That's who you're probably looking at if you advance to a Super Bowl. One of those teams most likely. Maybe something out of the NFC South, the 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 uh, beyond the, the the Saints. I mean, the Carolina Panthers look dangerous. The Falcons are in, improving themselves a little bit, but by and large, that looks like the the most competitive portions of that field. Now, obviously, over here on the other side, the Chiefs continue to fly, and there'll be a challenge for the Patriots to get out there. But it makes for a nice comp, right? They spent all this money, big, big, big spends, and, and you know, a better way even beyond just going guy by guy by guy is looking overall defensive breakdown in, in spending cap allocation just by offense defense now this was kind of striking to me because I didn't realize it was quite this bad across the league but basically if you're willing to spend half your money on defense that's like a big deal I didn't realize that basically across the league let me go right down to the middle to smack in the middle 16 Arizona Cardinals 16 on cap allocation so that's the middle that's your your your, your flat 
flat smack in the middle of the 32 teams. Uh, you've got 37.5%. So basically the average for the NFL, maybe that's median. I don't know. Don't, let's, not, let's not make me do too much math here uh, at this hour in the morning. But basically smack in the middle is about 37%. So basically, on average, most teams are spending you know, 63% on their, uh, on their uh, offense. So it's more normal to be like almost you know two-thirds, one-third as far as spending. Uh, so to go all the way up and spend half of your money on defense, that's how somehow weird. Well, obviously you get the discount because defense doesn't have a position like quarterback. You may have a defensive end that gets stupid money, big, big money. You may have a corner that gets big, big money, but it's still usually going to be short of quarterback. So understand that one position is probably what pushes this number up to, to the disparity of each and every time. But the Jaguars spend 51%. They actually spend more as far as cap allocation on their on their uh, their defensive side of the ball, which is which is a big deal. And you're going to go through this list here. I will quickly for you. Uh, the top 10 teams that do the defensive spending a little bit higher. Minnesota's up there. Should be. They're 47.57% uh, as a percent of cap head spent on defense. And, again, that's pretty solid defense. They haven't played that great at, at times this year. But it's, it's understandable. You, you would guess that they were one of the spenders there. Houston Texans, they're three. Again, that sort of fits profile, what you would guess. Denver Broncos at four. Hmm. But they've had the fall off. So that's, that's a little bit surprising. Surprising, but we'll scroll down here to the Rams. They're forty-two point five, forty-two percent. Sorry, uh, so they're they're at the seventh spot. So still a top ten, still over spending pretty heavy. And for the for the results they've gotten, a little bit shocking. Uh, you know, they go and get those big new expenditures and, and are at a number that's untenable. I would say if you're going to get this kind of defensive production, they had the Packers got them on the road and they conceded an additional 10 to what the Patriots were able to pull yesterday. The Patriots keep them to 17. They go out and face the Rams. They get 27. That's, that's really what tightened the game up out there. And it makes it much more comfortable here in Foxborough uh, on, on Sunday evening. But you look even look forward a week, and that you know the the Rams survived that, get through the Packers, and now they face the Saints. And what was you know other than the Patriots game, this is probably the game of the week. Uh, you know, Ram Saints uh, and the Saints come out of that thing. But how much did they put? They score forty five freaking points, forty five points, and you're having cap figures like that, disparity like that throughout your roster. So the one thing that I would say, and I don't have a way to filter this and sort this now, but beyond just willing to put it on that side of the ball, how is it? You know, they're they're in a top ten or seven on the numbers that are over there. But then the distribution over there, wow, it's in imbalance, right? I mean, and again, I'm not doing that because this is this is podcast. We're not looking at a spreadsheet to. You know, this isn't a visual medium, but I think if you were to look, at, this is just an educated guess, that if you're looked at not just them being in that top 10, but how is it distributed amongst those guys on that side of the ball, it's much more sort of uh, concentrated around a few people. So you spend at a high level relative to the other side of the ball, and then you put it in just a few people's hands, you have imbalances. You have bricks that are weaker in portions of the wall. You have extremely strong bricks, but screw it. That's, you know, water flows to the... To the weakest point or whatever the hell. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the board with analogies this morning, but stick with me in this pot of coffee. Uh, but the point is water's going to flow to the to the area of least resistance. That's what I was going for. So if you build up one area, you know, wildly so, well, water just stays away from that. And it flows to the weakness. And that's what you get in a, in a game where you have to have 11 parts working together. Uh, great. Go go overspend on four of those. There's seven other alternatives. And I think that's what you're seeing with the Rams. Philosophically, it, you know, that you're going to get patted on the back for going for it and spending and they're, you know, they're one player away and all that nonsense. It never works. 
works out that way. Do people ever learn this lesson? No, not in the NFL. And when you, have, you wonder out loud, why are the Patriots here every year? Why do they continue to be back here and be successful? Because they don't ascribe to that philosophy. God bless you if you do. You ain't going to win shit. Now, moving on, let's get into this. Uh, you know. And let's let's sort of look into the game itself. I, I think this makes for kind of a fun fun discussion where we kind of just fly through this thing and just hit on the high points uh, because it was an entertaining game and because I think there's some positives. I'd say we're in the sort of 70, 80 percentile kind of thing where it's going to be mostly positive. few things that weren't perfect, clearly they could have been better. There were some ugly segments to the game, but by and large, you got to come away feeling pretty good about what the defense did. Really nice performance, held the Packers to the, a tie for their lowest points output of the season that's obviously a good marker big primetime game uh you keep Rodgers from just running wild and 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 doing something they haven't done at any other point in the season so you play them better than you played the bears on the road right you play them better than you played even the lions and and then jacksonville so you play a better offense and and actually put a better performance yourself on the field that's really impressive so let's dive into this thing um one of the really funny things that you know, I got a kick out of, I sent a tweet out right when it happened because this was sort of a, an immediate uh, register with me as a former player who's heard Belichick give this speech over and over and over again. You know, yes, the Packers had a difficult turn here. They, you know, they, they had to fly all the way across the country from Green Bay, have a game in L.A., goes long, tough game, fly back. Now you got to hit the other coast and you got to go uh, out to New England, but at least they get a full week. And obviously, you know, with the Patriots coming off a of Monday night or they got a short week. So that all those that's your contacts, so that's your table setting, and the Packers they defer, they win the win the toss, and uh, they so they're kicking off to the Patriots to start this thing, and the and the Packers start the game with offsides on the kickoff. <sighs> now I I don't know how Mike McCarthy handles this, and I actually did, without looking don't know their team's coach, but I, I can hear this speech if you're in a if in a Belichick meeting room. He, there, there's a few things on earth that he makes fun of more than kickoff mistakes, really. Kickoff and kick return, really. I'll go through both. But kickoff mistakes, being offside on a kickoff, like imagine the opening kickoff to the game. You're That's the first thing you do on the day. And it's not like an offensive play where, you know, you have to react to a guy doing something to you across from you or, or a defensive play where, you know, there's a route combination or a check you got to make or who did I pick up or did I blow it or did I jump off sides because they hard counted me or something. On kickoffs, you know, this was my my profession. You, <laughs> you can't jump off sides on the opening kickoff. Did you not sleep well? Did you not get you know? Did you not warm up uh, well enough? Were you just not mentally ready to go? If you jump off sides in the opening kickoff, mentally, oh good lord, heads in your ass to start the thing off. And those are the kind of things that drive coaches nuts. It's like we spent a whole week preparing for all these other things, and this is a stayed play. <laughs> You're starting from a start from a stop. And there's nothing over there going on that they're doing that can cause that penalty. You just do it yourself. So, to me, you know, the first thought that climbs in my head is like, wow, are these guys ready to go? But in fairness, they they bounced back and made it competitive for 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 a portion of this game, maybe two-thirds of the way in, until it broke open. But that was a real ugh, tone setter, especially when off uh, that offsides, the Patriots get a really nice kick return to start the game, kick to Corderell Patterson, which I was a little bit surprised that they did. Crosby, I don't know if he's he's got a touchback leg necessarily each 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 swing, but uh, they kicked to him. Got it out to the 36 even with that offside. They, they decline the penalty or whatever and move on. And the Patriots head into uh, an extremely impressive drive. This, this is twice now. Um, didn't, I don't believe this happened with the uh, the Bills uh, game a week ago, but in this was this reminded me much of that Bears first drive, where it's like, good lord, just boom, 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 you know, six, seven different kinds of plays, and just 
just iteratively moving down the field, and it's like, gah. That, that is, if it's scripted, then great with the script that they're using. If it's just sort of reactionary, whoa. whoa. I mean, it's that moment where you're like, wow, if you see that, if they're able to pull that off you know, three or four more times, this game's over. And in credit to the Packers, that didn't happen. So they, they come out and win the second series, and, and it's like, okay, it slows down. But the Patriots have been pretty solid this season. I have to go back. I'm making a, a, a sweeping point here that may not be accurate. But I get the sense that they've been pretty good on their opening drives. There's two there that were just gangbusters. But, it, you know, good good early when you're, when you're game planning hot for what you think you're going to get and what you then choose to do. So, White, uh, this let's just kind of plow through all the plays that were there. There's a, a draw play to, to James White. There's an open side run to James White. Uh, Gordon, they throw a deep ball to Gordon into a double team. That was a bad ball. Thank goodness that didn't get picked, but uh, that thing had no chance. Then you get White uncovered in the flat, and this is a play that I kind of got a kick out, got a laugh of. I can't imagine being a linebacker or even a defensive end who has an opportunity to chip a guy like James White and going into a game and not covering him. You know, like literally on the opening drive, this guy got targeted. I think he had like five, six touches, something like that, all on that first drive. Like James White, it was like the James White story <laughs> on on that first drive. And on this 15-yarder, it's just a quick swing pass. No one covers him. Like I just the idea of not covering that guy on the opening drive, crazy to me. But he gets the swing pass, and then this is a, 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 a and it goes for 15. He basically just jogging past the line. He's out in the open there and just goes out of bounds. But the next play is kind of the the, the funky cool one. I, I threw a. A tweet out there early this morning. Um, I kind of reviewed that video real quick, and it was funny because this was I, well, the video I put on Twitter was the one that follows that play. They get the easy swing pass to James uncovered, and then Brady goes up the line real quickly. They start the play. You can tell Packers aren't quite set, but he quick looks back to James. Which you know, if you're the linebacker who just didn't have him in coverage the play before, you're thinking, "Ah, oh, okay, gotta cover that dude." Bonehead me. You know, everyone makes mistakes. I've made my share, but I know that in moments where you've made a play, mistake prior. You're not going to make that same mistake again. So you see him kind of, you know, react real lean, real hard when Brady just simply glances back at James, and that creates a little coverage lane or like a, a passing lane vacancy into the slant back to Philip Dorsett. So uh, and then they complete that ball. So it was just kind of a, a nice one-two. The play before sort of uh, set the table for the next because of Brady's eyes and shoulders. Uh, and that was fun because you look at Philip Dorsett, uh, a guy who's had a real modest role for the last several weeks, uh, but they got him more involved this week. And he had three catches and big moments. A couple of these were on that first drive, I believe, and then a nice play downfield later. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. So good to see him back and involved, especially in a week where you don't have Gronk, you don't have the running back in Sony Michelle, so it's less of the traditional stuff. Good to get to work in your depth, guys, and he's he's a very good player. Um yeah, so moving on here, uh, you get, uh, let's see, that was the catch. That was a, no, and then there's a look pass to Dorsett. That was on that same uh, same drive. Uh, modest screen to White doesn't go much for much there. Uh, Joe Tooney, who had a pretty good day on the uh, overall, you know, nice blocks, half a dozen of them that I had circled here. But he does miss a block on that, on that screen pass, and White just gets about two. And then Brady sneaks for a conversion. And then they do the reverse fake flip. So Julian goes in motion, jet motion they call it, where you know he may take the handoff from the quarterback right as it comes out from under center, but it's a fake to him. Flip play back to White the other direction. Great crack block uh, by Josh Gordon. A really nice job by Tooney, who's a little out leveraged pre-snap by the linebacker off the ball. He's able to fly out of his stance, get upfield, get to his outside knee, get him cut down, and now you've got a lane. You've got a wide, wide lane there. Drive a semi through it and... Uh, you know, White does. So and he's not a semi, but he's more of a, I don't know, what is he? He's a, a nice a nice mid-size sedan with some quicks. 
BMW, let's call it that. Anyway, damn, what a drive, right? That was sick. That was that was just, it felt surgical. It felt like they tried a half dozen things and most of them worked. Those are the kind of ones where like, okay, they came ready to play. Prime time, ready to roll. Now, defensively, Patriots go out there. Dietrich Wise uh, was out early and Keonta Davis was as well. So those are two guys that have had more modest roles. Deonta Davis has been inactive some, uh, but both are showing up there relatively early. Um, love Wise's length. You know, I know obviously he had the broken hand or finger or whatever the heck it was. He's wearing that club for the longest time. So maybe this is in part feeling he's a little more effective now. Hands heal in a bed. He can use it more normally. Uh, but this on this, you know, we're not going to go through every play here. But Chung has the penalty covering Graham. Uh, they called him for a hold or whatever. That ends up uh, you know, being a chunk of yards that makes up for that. Uh, the delay of game, though, now they've moved down into the Patriots' red zone, and they got them so the Packers got a delay of game. And that was that was painful because they you know, they'd sort of had a few chunk plays there themselves. They've moved down in the red zone. They get a delay of game. It moves back in an, in an and goal situation, a delay of game. And then the way this thing ends up on a third down play, Adrian Claiborne does a ni- has a real nice pursuit on a quick screen play. So he runs that thing down, ends up, you know, finishing the series off, and they kick a field goal. So I mentioned Claiborne. I'm, again, we're not doing every play in this game. But nice overall day from him. Some disruptive plays, some nice work in the games. Chased down uh, Rodgers one time on a third down. We'll hit on later. Has this retrace play out. Or not retrace play, but just down the line chasing a screen. And uh, had some real nice stuff there. I mean, it was a really, really uh, positive day for him. Uh, good to see, obviously. So back on offense here with the Patriots. Brady is sacked. This was uh, one of the ones where my first note, uh, you know, I, you could test me in my tweets. I mean, they were tweeting at the time that it, it looked like something just got blown. Uh, we haven't yet seen the uh, the the game copy, uh, you know, the the the, the pl- whatever you call it, the all twenty two stuff, the, the the real the real film. Uh, we're just looking at TV copy, and I rewatched it this morning on Cadence, so I'm not seeing the replays and stuff in between. So I didn't exa- I just live time when you look at it. It looks like uh, like Ted Karras sets outside, so he kind of takes a, a right kick step that looks like he's flat step, and then Mike Daniels to his right. You would generally do that if I think he. It, it, it appears to me that he looks like he thinks he has help from the center, uh, and and for whatever reason, David Andrews doesn't set to his side. He turns away, so he's set out a little bit and doesn't get the center for help. And Daniels just flies right through the gap, so it just looks like a. Just looks like it's blown. Like, uh, like it looks like Harris is getting turnstiled, but it also looks to me, based on his reaction after the play, he throws his arms up. He looks over to Andrews. Maybe it's you know. So you, the point of that is you don't know who made the air, and you can never really know who made the air unless you're in that conversation and you're in the offensive meeting room later because you you're unable to tell if Harris setting out was an error because is is the kind of set he took put him out of position and Daniels just walked through it. Or if the error is Andrew's not helping and he was supposed to. So one of those two guys is right. There's no way to know who is, which, again, is, is why I think those services out there that grade game film, it's idiotic. You can't possibly know. And if you're wrong five times, you're wrong two or three times. You're blowing, you know, the grade changes significantly. And that's a pretty big deal. One of those two guys made a mistake. Without the call, there's no way to know who. So anyway, moving on, uh, Rodgers moves people with his eyes and shoulders. I made this note. So you're, now you're back into, you're back into uh, the, the Packers having the ball now and, it's one thing that jumps out. You know, we don't get to see this every week. There are weeks when we're seeing good but not great quarterbacks. When you see the greats, the greats move people. And I think that's really one of the benefits of getting to watch Brady all these years, getting to be a teammate, getting to be an opponent, and now being an analyst watching him. Like, you kind of forget 
that everyone's not doing that down in, down out. And when you watch Aaron Rodgers, you're like, okay, he's a master. You know, he's not he's not the goat. We're not doing that whole thing on this. But he he has he's a master's class kind of guy with the quarterbacking. He does move safeties. He does move linebackers. He does do activities prior to what it is he wants to do to try to manipulate what's on the other side of him. He's good like that. And and there were some cool plays in here from just a pure football standpoint. And no rooting interest, but just watching him move people around, watching him let it go, let the play develop, and then diagnose and do stuff that's that's really high level quarterbacking very good stuff there and by default am I just supposed to say oh yeah Brady does that too and he's better I mean do I need to say that stuff I I always feel like obligated like if I you compliment one guy you have to over compliment the other but how about just this it's fun to watch both guys and and you know they both did some pretty cool high level stuff and we don't see that every week now moving on um this is uh this was this was uh a third and six pressure that ended up happening on that uh, on that drive. You know he had uh, he got the big completion uh, to Graham down the field, uh, and, and Jimmy Graham had a, had a day. You know he made a few plays, not a t- not all of them. I mean there were several PBUs I think in the two or three range of balls that they wanted to get to him that someone or another broke it up uh, in coverage on him. But he did sneak through and make a few plays, and that hasn't always been the case for them this year in Green Bay. Uh, people that that ever went after Jimmy in fantasy would know. <laughs> this but anyhow uh there it's third and six though you've got him to a mildly uncomfortable situation it's not a slam dunk and the pressure comes the Patriots go ahead and pressure and Rodgers reads it quickly but gets rid of it with just sort of like a like a quick fade like you know just just get the shit out of my hand and the route is being run as a post and it looks like he throws it back to the fade either miscommunication or just get the hell get this thing out of my hand and uh, J.C. Jackson's in coverage back there. Wide receiver turns, but turns back into the post, not to that route. It almost looked as if Jackson himself had turned. He maybe could have picked that up. and almost was thrown like a punt. But the pressure on several instances of this game, sometimes dialed up, sometimes not, was a nice thing for the Patriots. They had a, they had a really nice, uh, nice overall day of uh, keeping Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. R- regardless of whether they ended up in sacks, were still some of those. But more just at the times where they needed to – Make him make a quick decision, and they didn't get punished for <laughs> for expediting that decision. That's that's a good thing. That's good defense. So Pat's next drive though does stall in the red zone. They only get three, make it for a ten three game, and uh, you know so really both offenses now have had opportunities to go down in deep, and then things stall. That happens again for the Patriots. One of the first things you can point to is hey they don't have their tight end. That would be helpful even if it's just Gronk down there grabbing two. Uh, or and they also don't have their traditional running back in Sony Michelle, but they've uh, buffered themselves a little bit with the Patterson stuff, and and even Barner had a carry that wasn't was was pretty positive too. So oh, and he he milked a guy on a, on blitz pickup. I believe that was uh, Clay Matthews, but good lord, that was awesome. So just cleaned a guy on a, on a run through, and those suck when you know backs are shorter than you, they're underneath you with leverage. You come flying through the hole, and you think you're going to run through them, and. Put your chin back into the back of your head. That's good stuff. But anyway, so moving on here, um, I really thought that uh, the, the, I kind of came in talking heavily, did it on last week's podcast, talking on this in the, the Nesson pregame chat about how important it was going to be for red zone defense. And really both groups were pretty solid in the red zone um, defense, but it wasn't like game key solid, right? I, th- I believe the Patriots, and I shouldn't quote this without it in front of me, so maybe I can pull this up quickly. I believe the Patriots were two out of three, something like that. Uh, so the you know they they the Packers scored two out of three times down in the red zone, and I believe the other side was three or four, something like that. 
But it wasn't a situation where I was like, oh, wow, they, they kept the Packers to two out of six in the red zone or something like that. No, they actually only got down there three times, and they scored two of them. I thought the better thing in review was actually more the plus 50 defense. So basically they've crossed midfield, and you, the work that's done between there and getting them into the, to the low red, at least you let them the high red and maybe back them out with a negative play. But that, I think that was more accurately the story. The three and outs that they got in critical situa- situations, sudden changes, things like that, backed up situations you don't want to be in. They got three and outs in those. And they prevented red zone uh, opportunities. Not that they necessarily knocked it out of the park on, on stopping them. So I think that was a little more accurate thing to, to what the Patriots defense did on that day. Again, overall very positive one. Now, the D goes three and out. That was big. That was huge. As I mentioned, sort of the Patriots had flown down the field on first drive. They, do, they have a really nice offensive series. Then the, the Packers come back. They get their three. And the Patriots go, you know, get nothing. The Packers... Uh, get nothing, and it's – well, excuse me, then, then we're back to the Packers. They The D gets a big, big three and out, and I think that's important where, you know, you're kind of in this mode of is this going to be just exchanged haymakers, right? Uh, Patriots are going to go down and get seven. Packers go down and get seven. Packers go – you know, three, then three. three you know, they're going to go back and forth and back and forth, and you get in a great opportunity where you're deep and you've flown down the field and you have to settle for three. That can be a little bit deflating to a defense. Like, ooh, okay. Um if they answer any more than what our offense was able to get, now we're a little bit behind schedule. But So that was a big moment where the Patriots' offense stalls, and then the defense goes three and out. That's perfect. Now you're into the four-minute drive area here before half. This was basically when we were introduced to the Patterson runs. A lot of Patterson on that drive. Fun stuff. Shot out of a cannon. Reminds me of Mario with star power. I tweeted that out a little bit a while ago. It just was I giggle when I watch him run. I love it. I love back watching back the film and it's like when he sees that little hole shot, it's just ah you know, he's just spaz almost. And it's cool, you know, he's physical, he's not afraid of contact, he's wide receiver, but he's got a very near tall running back frame. And you made the example there in, in pregame of Latavius Murray uh, with the Vikings, a slightly taller back. I think uh, Latavius is actually 6'3", and Corderell's 6'2", and some change. But they're both within a few pounds of each other. Corderell's a high 20s, uh, 220s, and, and Murray is listed as a 230. So very, very similar. So it's not as if this is strictly wide receiver body, totally crazy that he's playing back. He's he's close to big back size, so it's not quite Derrick Henry, but he can clearly do the gig, and he's really fun to watch. As he grows in this role, uh, not a prediction because I have no idea what you know Ivan Fears and the guys are thinking about doing long-term, but uh, I, I, Cordero Patterson could be a running back in the NFL, no question, a very effective one. So it's sort of found gold. You know, he's not going to – he didn't come here to become – their traditional route running, full route tree guy. He's becoming to be more the gadget guy when he was playing wide receiver. Screens, quick passes, uh, you know, the downfield stuff where it's, you know, they're doing something else within the the route, uh, the, the sort of sequence uh, of routes to get him free. Basically, the design plays to get him free. Just get the ball in that dude's hand. He can do some things. Now they've sort of stumbled into some gold, put him in the backfield. Maybe we can teach him protections, get him out in the passing game as a back. Uh, you, you can expand this even more, but he's begging. He's joking about it in post game. Hey, I want. I, I had ten carries against Buffalo, eleven this week. He, we want, now he wants fifteen, and he wants twenty five. Like this guy wants to be a real back, and I think he's making people notice him. And it may be a situation where you you stumbled onto a nice little complimentary back and uh, a nice weapon to have long term, at least for the season anyway. But anyway, moving forward. Uh, this was, you know, this was an important drive. Obviously you're going to suck a little time. Uh, it's a four minute drive situation. You get the points before half 
Patriots get themselves up to 17. Um, and then they do have the opportunity there with, with Green Bay to come back. There was enough time left on the clock to maybe get themselves in a range for a three. And uh, Adrian Claiborne, one of his other big positive plays of the day, was chasing down Rodgers to the sideline. Rodgers sort of fumbles it there a little bit and, and trying to reach for the, 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 the marker and ends up about two yards short. But that was because Claiborne did not – he didn't take the false step. He didn't over-pursue. He retraced down the line pretty well. And it's a big dude that's moving pretty well. I think it's – you know, he's a veteran player, an older guy. Not old, but older. I think he's a, in a late 20s. Maybe he's in the 30 by now. But still moving pretty spry. So out there and able to chase down stuff uh, at least to, to force the ball out. It's not, you know, it's not Khalil Mack covering ground, but it's uh, it's a disruptive dude who is playing smart, playing some of his best football, and really helping the team. It's good stuff. So moving on here again, um, let's see. Uh, this is the uh, the the first drive of the second half, right out of the locker room. Uh, this is that Valdez Scandling guy, the young wide receiver, I believe from USF, uh, tall guy, six four dude. He kind of started to show up. He, this was a huge drive for the Packers. Um, best day for Rodgers in my view, or best best drive for Rodgers here in my view. A couple of really slick throws. Uh, has the touchdown to Graham a little later in that drive. Really nice touch throw there. Uh, that wasn't a zip one. That was that was laid in sort of over the shoulder. Chung had a really nice coverage, and it's just you know put it in a place where the guy can't get it. Uh, we've, we've seen Brady do that with with Gronk all the time, where it's just a perfectly placed ball and too big of a body, and the safety just isn't going to reach in and get that. So that was a very very good drive for the Packers, and again, nice you know sort of tip of the cap to them because the Patriots got their score before half, they weren't able to answer, they got a chance to go back and reconfigure themselves, and they came out and did something with their very first drive. So now you got a ball game. I believe this makes it seventeen seventeen at that point. Hope that's right. Uh, but then we're we're now into sort of uh, let's see we're now into sort of the flow of the game here uh, where the Patriots are getting it back and I start to see some of the elements creeping in that we talked about my, my favorite things you know my favorite things uh, with uh, this is an Oprah uh, this is uh, this is uh, football stuff here but uh, the my favorite things with 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 Josh Gordon is you know there's a lot of different stuff in the tree he's asked to do but there's times where you can expect him to be to be targeted more. And and one of those favorites for me is him in the slant game. And slants are, you know, just like you'd seen in flag football, like you'd seen in youth football, high school, college, it's really all the same. It's a stride, sometimes one stride and into the slant, something somewhere between 45 and 90 degrees, so it's kind of at that angle. Uh, and, you know, it gets skinny, it can be run into a post, or it can be, you know, just flattened real quickly, but it's a quick route, right? And it's basically you, you try to shake at the line, get the guy to set out so you can get in. Uh, and having inside leverage, put your ball between the man and the defender. And uh, that's, you know, Gordon is good at that. And that's not a, a super heady route. It's not, you know, he's still only been here a month and a half, two months, two months whatever it is. So he's not, ha- you know, he's, he's certainly not had the opportunity or wouldn't have the expectation to be getting the, hey, I'm going to route adjust at this route 18 yards down the field based on the coverage I read a second and a half into play. We're not talking about those kind of things. We're talking about something where he can physically beat someone off the line and get a ball within a second. Those are huge, and those are great for him, uh, especially because sometimes he gets off coverage, but sometimes you've seen them, and, and when you have off coverage, it's easier, obviously, to run a slant. That's the time to get the ball to him before the defender can get down. Uh, but we've seen enough now with with Patters, oh, excuse me, with Josh Gordon, where he's able to still get the slants even from press. You know, it's like okay, 
They've sagged off him enough. They've given up a couple easy ones. We can't just allow that. We've got to come down and press him. And he feigns a little the outside. He's going to give you a little outside fake to move the leverage of the corner and then put his body back in between the dude, run the slant, effective, big body, snatches it out away from him and um, away from himself. And uh, he's, he's rolling again. So this was a big day for Josh. We, they were hit on a lot of different kind of routes. Uh, and, again, one of my favorites, play action. Uh, some sort of run fake to get people to to bite, and then him being hit on something quick is ooh, it's gold. It's tough, and I, I think you know we can be talking, presuming he's healthy, and knock on wood here as I'm saying stupid shit like that. But I hope that he's healthy, obviously. But if I'm presuming he's a you know available there to the very end of this thing, if that's the case, that concept I I think you'll see it over and over and over again. It's not something you can game plan to stop unless you want to start dropping flat players from the linebacker level out to get in that slant range. Just uh, lane just to dissuade Brady from throwing it. If you don't do something like that, it's just how often can can Gordon beat his guy? And I think it's going to be pretty often. That's a fun round. So moving on here, uh, we go on to um, the Dwayne Allen flat catch. I should do that because that was in the same drive. You're seeing the slant stuff set up now for slant and go potentially with Gordon, although we haven't seen that yet. He does go inside later. Uh, this is a big just Josh Gordon uh, uh drive if, as much as anything he hits on the slant stuff from the outside portion and later in that drive he shows up inside in a, the number two position so he's standing as a slot essentially and it, it makes you make a tough choice on who and how you're going to cover him because you know when he's extended yeah he's going to grab a corner but if they happen to be in a zone coverage they're probably not going to bring down their top corner to stand in the slot and Jules is all over the damn formation and you know Edelman can make plays against just about anyone but I think it's his versatility that's his real big strength but now you stick Gordon in the slot and you got to make a decision do you want to you know you want to sort of have your corner fallen there and, and on this particular play I'm talking about I don't believe they did so in other words you're, you're, in, the, you're in the slot area now and you're going to get a, a seam dropper you know a linebacker or something or a safety down in that area but they're coming from depth so you can fit it in relatively quickly so we saw uh, we saw Gordon get hit with a hook wrap you know just a basic run it up to 10 back to 8 kind of thing sit in the, the hook seam kind of area and uh, Brady puts it on him it was just interesting to see him running there in the middle portion of the field uncovered and that's in part, I think, by pre-snap alignment. You get him out of the receiver position, put him in a less traditional spot, standing there essentially as like a flex tight end, and you get forgotten about a little bit, or you don't draw the real hardcore coverage guys who are out extended. So that was cool. Now, Hogan gets tackled on this drive. Oh, I'm sorry, back up one play here. Dwayne Allen, the big Dwayne Allen catch. Quick to the flat, rolls up the field, uncovered. It's great to see, obviously, in a week where Gronk's not available. Just get one ball out to him. Make them play him honest. Uh, it wakes the defense up to say, okay, he can't run free. We've got we to gotta play this straight. Helps, helps the overall group. Nice job there by Allen. Had a really nice day blocking and contributed here this big play to show enough to Tom that if, if Brady needs to send one to him when he's forgotten, he's reliable enough to make that play, get some yards, make the defense sort of flip the light on that they get a cover. All the eligibles. Now, on this same drive, it, it goes down in the red zone, gets to a third down play, and the Patriots get sort of a bailout call. I, I, I call it that, and it's not as if it was a bad call. Chris Hogan gets straight-up tackled in the end zone. So they're bailed out by the, the, by the, by the poor decision of the, the Packers uh, defender, whoever that, that was. But he gets pulled from behind, then he gets sort of you know corralled or lassoed or whatever the hell you want to call it. But... Big, big-time uh, mistake there defensively, and it, and it restarts this series. Uh, White is stopped. Now, this is the whole didn't score from way down there situation. This is the 
you know, they're, they've gone the length of the field, and now, well, I'm actually not sure on that if, where the drive started, but they're down there close. They're down the one one yard line or whatever. White gets stops in the, initially, then they got to put in the so called big back. Patterson has it, makes aggressive move towards the end zone. Looks like he's over the line, uh, but they don't give it to him, and uh, it, it's reversed. So they originally called a touchdown. They reverse it. It's questionable. They maybe they had a better replay than what we were able to see on TV. On TV, it's really hard to tell if the butt cheeks down is the point he's extending the ball because they don't give us a straight across view. Each one of them's banked. So I was a little surprised they went away from the original call because the original call was touchdown. But there's one banked angle where you see his cheek down and you do see the ball extended, but you can't tell from that angle if it's just extended short or if it's actually over. Maybe they had a better view. Um, I mean, I don't think this is major controversy, but it does get reversed. And now they've got two more downs. they got third and fourth down, and they go in a gun, and it ends up being two incompletions. I hate that. I really think that, you know, maybe change the formation a little bit, change the run. You put it at the one-yard line, four chances to get a yard. I would have all four be runs, and just different kinds of runs. I mean, I, I just I, I don't I don't love gun from the one-yard line, especially when, you're, when your quarterback doesn't have a lot of mobility. That that's now if you have a mobile quarterback from the one you go ahead and gun with with Russell Wilson because it it should be a walk in unless of course he throws it to Malcolm Butler, but that's that's not uh, I don't like that with the Patriots they they do so many smart things Josh Josh McDaniels had a great day overall with all the the dice he rolled with with trick plays and gadgets and timely sort of change ups uh, but that was a bad sequence for them I really you know I I don't love that. So I, I just think you've got a pretty good offensive line, a very good offensive line, and you've got a really good fullback. You've got a power back. You just you can't stand in the formation and run where they think you're going to run. You might have to move things around, flopping tight ends, motioning guys, uh, maybe some misdirection with a run. But you can run it in. Four times from one yard, you need to run it in. All right, moving on. Um, this So they don't get that, but he, here's the real story. I mean, this is the bigger thing, in my view, of this whole day kind of comes from that. And what is that? It's it's essentially that you've you've had a disappointing moment, right? It's 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 not what you wanted. You wanted to score, obviously, you wanted to score in that situation, but you, it's it's it can be very deflating. You say, "Oh, you're right there." It's just this is such a big game and prime time, and oh, now we're going to give it back to Rodgers and miss out on seven points. We've gone for it on fourth down. We don't get it, but they've now got to go the full ninety nine. And your defense gets a three and out. A huge moment in the game. Huge moment in the game. Because, you, you, you know, you get one backed off play. Uh, Rodgers hits something in the flat or a quick hook or Aaron Jones uh, gets a run that, that loosens things up a little bit. And then they're back in a regular sequence. And if they were to go down and get three or, or even, God, God willing, seven or something like that, then I, it really changes the tone of the game. But the defense stepping up in that they've got them backed up situation Huge, 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 huge job there. That's good stuff. So um, now you get it. But here's the, here's the issue, though. Uh, the Patriots, uh, after the big stop by the defense, you get the punt that takes to midfield. Um, they have a blitz pickup problem, and you're sacked. And uh, it's uh, you go three and out. Well, actually, I'm not sure if it was it was a sack or if it was thrown away. But that was one of those real bad blitz pickups. That uh, looked like they're bringing four or five, and then a couple guys drop out, and then somebody flies through a gap and. Tom's either throwing it away, throwing it at the ground, or he got sacked. I don't, I don't have that note here, but it was, it was bad. It was, it was you get you got the reset chance after not getting the, the score. You've now gotten the ball back at midfield, and up oh, you go three and out, and portions of it's just simply blitz pickup. So tip of the cap there to Mike Pettin. He he drew one up that they that they didn't handle very well. Now this is the roughing the punter. Oof. 
Really, really dumb thing there. You got to control your body. You know, some young guys miss on that. I, I think I've done it in a preseason game. I don't think I ever got a roughing in a regular season game. But it's just something you learn. You have to take an angle that even if you lay yourself out, you're going to miss his body. You have to look to pick it off his foot. If you take an angle that goes at his body and you ain't getting the ball, you're going to run into the dude. So that's just inexperience. That was that was ragged. You feel bad for teams, guys, because you know their jobs are on a cliff each and every week anyway, and that was some dumb shit. You don't want to be the guy caught in that situation. And I've done some dumb shit, Not maybe not that particular one. So anyway, that was bad. Resets the series. Gives Brady another chance for midfield. Here we go. Big time stuff coming. Nope. Still had a punt. And uh, that was really where I think some of the roughest offensive sequences of the day came. Uh, protection was off a little bit. Uh, uh, Tom's, uh, I don't know, accuracy or whatever was off a little bit. He missed some open guys or assailed it on one, I believe, in one of those passes. It just was – that was a bad sequence of offense. You know, not finishing off the, the thing from one yard and then the two resets out at midfield, not getting anything out of that, happened to punt again. Uh, this is another big Valdez Scanlon catch. Whoa, he had some stuff on that drive. So this guy, again, a nice young player. Uh, you know, Geronimo Allison was inactive for this game. Uh, a nice, solid depth receiver there for the Packers. And uh, this young dude, uh, Valdez Scanlon, I hope I'm saying that right, really came through with some big-time plays, uh, a couple of them here on this particular drive. But then they flipped the sides. Now we're starting the fourth quarter, and Lawrence Guy has his, uh, you know, one of the big defensive plays of the game, you know, plays of the game, period, when he forces the fumble. Uh, nice chop on the ball, gets it out, out in open space, and the Packers have been starting to move the ball there a little bit. But really nice defensive play there. And now you're back with a turnover. Uh, plus one, I believe, for the day, without, without glancing at stats here. But that ends up being, obviously, a very, very positive thing. The Patriots don't give it up and get it off you. Good luck, especially in Foxborough. So they are able to keep that streak alive. Good stuff for them there. A big-time play for Lawrence Guy. Now, moving on uh, to sort of kind of close this thing out, this is the next drive with sort of the goofiness, the fun stuff, the throwback to Edelman, who then throws across the field back to James White. Really nice, cool play. Ends up this, this series ends up in a white short touchdown. Uh, so we're able to run it in at a time where, you know, flip the other direction. They weren't able to run it in. So they run this one in. Nice drive there. Now they're up 24-17. Okay, big reset. You're, 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 you're pissed it's not 31-17. It feels like it should be 31-17, but you got a little space here. And why is that important? Well, because you got that other guy on the other sideline, and they're sitting at just 17 points, and their average is about one more score, and you're doing your damnedest to keep them off it. But there's a, a level of maybe it can just happen because they usually figure it out if you give them that many more chances. But this is, again, when the defense came up really big in this game. They get them to third and seven. They run a me game. A me game is a a, a, a tackle and end game where uh, basically uh, Trey Flowers is on the inside. He's playing the tackle position, which is is a cool thing for a, a smaller dude. Uh, you know, small, not small, but he's 265-ish kind of guy. Uh, and he's playing inside. And he's basically meant to work over the guard. And he shoots that gap, kind of slaps down the hands. He's got to get in the gap here. You kind of wanted to pick the tackle if he can, but he actually blows by the guard so clean, he's not even having to pick the tackle. He's got a free path to the back or to the quarterback. And Adrian Claiborne on the outside is playing the, the end. And what a me game is, is the end coming around. You know, taking a few steps up the field, third step, plant your foot, wrap around the guy who shot the gap. And it's sort of like a twist. It looks like a twist, an end and tackle twist. But really, both guys come clean. Both, neither really get touched much. Flowers blows through there, does a great job. 
Claiborne comes around clean. Both guys meet at the quarterback. Big-time play on third and seven. Packers not able to answer. And those are really two of the better defenders on the day for the Patriots. Flowers played out of his mind, had some really nice plays in the run game. Uh, was just really kind of all over the field for them. Claiborne obviously had a nice one as well. Um, and that was another one. Big play for him on the day. So this is uh, kind of the sealer drive, as we'll call it. Uh, Gordon gets the big touchdown. That's the big 55-yarder or whatever the heck it was. But he's just wide open. And how did that happen? Well, it was play sequence. And this is where Josh was really rolling here at this point. You know, they'd had the ugly series earlier. Now the last one, they had the throwback to White. Uh, the, throwback, the throwback to Edelman, then he throws the ball to White, the double pass thing. Uh, so that was some creativity that helped move the ball down. This is they had some success. I believe it was an Edelman screen or something like that a little bit earlier in the drive. And this play follows. The big play that is supposed to that ends up going to Gordon for the half the length of the field, they faked the screen first. And that fake of the screen, after having seen the screen in that same drive, gets the cornerback to drive up to the line real quickly. Hey, I'm going to go make the play. <laughs> and Gordon's running down the field uncovered. Safety's there to kind of sort of maybe get in the way, but then Gordon runs away from him. So that was uh, – and it was a fake – they're faking the quick screen to Hogan. So Chris had a relatively quiet day but was still out there blocking well, was still a part of sort of being a decoy. Sometimes you don't show up on the stat sheet, but you still do some good stuff for the team. It kind of felt like that kind of day for Hogan. Uh, but that ends up being a monster play, obviously, in the game. But it was by getting them to overcommit to a different play that they'd seen earlier. That's cool football, complimentary stuff. So I'm not going to walk you through the last six minutes. Obviously, the Patriots won a couple drives there, keep them going anywhere. They offensively, they just kind of try to run it out, uh, choose some clock, uh, and get out of that thing with a victory. So they win 31-17, felt more like 38-17, but the Packers probably say, hey, it felt like more to us too because we had the fumble or something along those lines. But by and large, a comfortable win, secured late, uh, and – May, and, and a really impressive performance on both sides. I think offensively, you don't have Gronk, you don't have Shaq Mason, you don't even have Sony Michelle, three of your top offensive players, and you're still able to put up north of 30 against a defense that last week held the you know held the, the Rams to, under, to less than that. So good week of work, especially as, again, I, I keep saying this and it's not accurate, but it felt like 38, damn it. It's one yard from 38, one yard from 38. But a good week overall of work, and that's sort of a wrap. Let's put a bow on this. Uh, so that's that was that game against Packers. It, it, it really wasn't just about quarterback play, and I was trying to beat the hell out of that drum all week that there were going to be other little things that came in. The play of all the complimentary players, J.C. Jackson for the Patriots having some nice stuff in there. Adam Butler with some really nice rushes. Lawrence Guy with the, the big-time play to come up with something. Uh, you know, Patrick Chung had, with some nice PBUs. Uh, McCourty's uh, Jason McCourty was had some real nice coverage plays uh, just you know a, a nice overall complimentary day Van Noy making plays as he always does uh, you know it, it was it was a good day where there are a lot of people contributing you can flip that same thing and say a lot of those same things about stuff going on on the offensive side of the ball um, so a good day of Patriot work of victory uh, moving on now at seven and two and off to face the Titans led by my old teammate who is a head coach in the NFL, which still blows my mind. Uh, I have to sort of obviously still hope that the Patriots win and advocate for that side, but uh, it's pretty cool to see an old buddy and an old teammate play the same position, uh, just a real stud on the field and uh, a stud life out there, out there leading, uh, out there leading another organization. That's, that's really cool. And it, it you know, I, I jokingly say this, but maybe I'm not. What the hell am I doing with my life? I'm sitting in here, my boxers doing podcasts. He's leading teams. What the fuck is wrong with me? 
I'm just kidding. I kid, I kid, I kid. Braves is a stud doing his thing. Uh, we love to see him uh, continue to be successful. Maybe just not this coming weekend. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Thing Patriots podcast. That This is me. I'm Matt Chapman. Uh, and I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Uh, let's wrap this thing up, get into the next week, and start looking ahead to the Titans, and then a bye week after that. I get to look past that. The team should. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.